0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network Flashback Friday time as we bring you another classic Survivor Oz interview from the vault this week. I'm excited for this one. Bit of a random one for you, one of my personal favourites from Survivor Africa, Kelly Goldsmith. This is a very fun interview. I'm a big fan of Kelly's. And I think this was a great chat, great insight into her game And one of the forgotten ones that I feel doesn't get as much credit out there In terms of our interviews that it uh, probably deserves So thought it uh, gets a little bit of coverage today on the Flashback Friday segment From Survivor Africa, here is our interview with Kelly Goldsmith kelly goldsmith competed on the third season of africa where she finished in ninth place after starting off slowly kelly found her legs after the tribal switch and looked to be in a power position with the majority alliance before getting the blame for a vote against lex which would see her become the first person to join the jury i spoke to kelly about why she's a game changing player in the history of survivor just how close she came to returning to play for a second time as well as which former well-known contestant she can lay claim to making out with and letting us know which former contestant she played a part in casting on the show. Kelly, welcome to Survivor Oz.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here, Kelly. You're the 10th person from Africa, I will say quickly, that we've had on the show, but uh, obviously uh, a season now that's been well over a decade. I I still shudder to think that it's been that long since your season, because to me, uh, you know, this is the golden age of Survivor, Kelly. This is when people are getting into the show, and it uh, really doesn't seem that long.
1: I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I work here at uh, Northwestern University and undergrads will come up to me and say, Oh yeah, I watched you on the show when I was seven and I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> How is that possible? But uh but no, it's a thing. It's a thing. It was on a long time ago.
0: Yeah, very much so. And uh, I know that recently you spoke to uh, John Carroll on his radio show. Now you're here. So uh, obviously all of a sudden getting a bit more uh, interest of uh, your time on Survivor. I mean, saying what you were just saying with the students, do you you still randomly get recognized sort of after all these years from being on the show?
1: You know what's funny is I never got recognized when I was on the show, like actually (laughs) on the show. Um, I lived in Los Angeles after the show was over and they had like real celebrities with, you know, <laughs> all sorts of famous awards and, you know, credibility to them. Reality TV people at the time were just, were getting a bit of a bad rap um, in Los Angeles. So I never, at A, and B, no one ever recognized me anyway. So, uh, so no, I never had that burden, right? I was always able to go to the grocery store. But now, you know, that I'm in an academic community and people over the years have learned that I was on the show, and students Google their professors, right? So it's not it's not a secret that I did it. So I think that, uh, I don't know, I think that's part of the reason I don't have trouble getting students in my class is there's a little bit of intrigue about what kind of weirdo would want to go on the show and then come be a professor here at Northwestern. So it, it, it definitely had sort of later in life consequences that I wasn't expecting, but Certainly nothing in a bad way. Do, do you
0: find, then, that some of these students are, are super fans as well, that, uh, you know, they come up to you and tell you everything about your game that you should have done and what you shouldn't have done and Lex is a bastard and all this sort of stuff as <laughs> well?
1: Uh, sometimes they do. I mean, the, the more that students remember about the show, the more into it I am. I am happy to sit down and talk for, you know, four hours in a row about everything that happened and how it could have happened differently and behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I actually, maybe perhaps because not a lot of people recognize me or not a lot of people talk to me about it right out of the gate. I still completely get a kick out of talking about it with students or you or John Carroll or anybody else who's interested (laughs) in hearing, you know, one man's opinion out of the several hundred that have been on the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you now when we get to our listener questions, we got a heap in. So uh, a lot of people very much uh, about your time on the show. But sort of what actually drew you in, into applying for it? I mean, were you a huge fan of those first two seasons and that led you into applying for the third season?
1: Uh, yeah, I was a huge, I mean, as big a fan as there ever was. I was obsessed with the show. I came from a line, like a family of people. We were all obsessed with the show. And I was just, you know, when I was on the show, it was like being a kid in a candy store. Like, it was really so neat, not only to participate in the game, but also just to get to see, like, the the behind-the-scenes of Survivor and what went on. So I really got to experience it as a fan. And I, for that reason, I I mean, I really had an excellent time when I was there. I know sometimes, you know, I made weird faces when I was on television or made certain comments. But at the end of the day, I was actually really having a great time. I was super happy to be there the Mm -hmm. entire time I was there. Um So, yeah, that's really why I went on. I was a super fan. And, um, yeah, I still think the show is a great concept, but I have no regrets about doing it to this day. I'm very proud. something I I'm proud that I did in my youth.
0: Fantastic. I love hearing that. Is it is it possible going into the third season of Survivor with a strategy? Is it more kind of about basing your game on what other players have done, or can you actually go in saying, okay, I'm going to do things differently, this is how I'm going to play it?
1: You know, it's funny looking back on it because when we are going into season three, we just had so much less data. I mean, of course, I thought I knew everything. I was 21 years old. I really thought I had the whole game figured out. But we just had so much less information than the people who go on a show today have because, I mean, they've had so many twists and turns that have played out over the years, which, you know, going into season three, we were really just kind of trying to make inferences based on really limited information. So, I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't have a strategy. I thought I had this really awesome strategy going into it. I actually really thought I was going to win, which, you know, 13 years later, you look back on and I'm like, what was I thinking? But it really, in my head at the time, I thought for sure I had this whole thing figured out. Um, so, yeah, I definitely had a strategy, but uh, I think I would venture to guess the strategies of the more modern player are probably a lot better. Well,
0: I always find it interesting kind of speaking to the people from the first few seasons and finding out about strategy because a lot of the time it's as you were saying still very fresh so uh whereas now people can go in and say well i'm going to play this way or do this way this is the correct way of doing it but uh, i mean sort of back in those earlier days as well i mean the the word strategy was was almost a a taboo kind of word i mean we saw it in the first season alliance was a taboo word and australia kind of wasn't as strategic as Borneo. And then your season, we had things like the tribal switch. That threw things up. So, you're still mm. learning as as you go along, really, aren't you?
1: Well, you're learning as you go along, but also, there's not just, you know, people who go on any reality show today, they're just much more savvy than they used to be because, you know, just because a twist hasn't happened on Survivor yet, they might have done it on a different reality show. And mm. you can learn. I mean, it's, it's a learning process. You can learn by watching all these different games and kind of understanding how they build off each other and understanding how Reality TV as we know it today, a larger construct has really evolved. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, I think that the play, and I've met some of the more recent players and I think that they, it's so funny to me because a lot of their experience is very similar to mine in terms of how they feel after they did it and their, you know, the way people treat them and how it affects their lives. All of that has kind of remained constant. But I think there's just a level of awareness that the more current players have going into it which we entirely la- I mean we may have thought we knew everything I certainly thought I knew everything but we really there's a level of awareness
0: we just lacked going into the game yeah yeah definitely and, and also really at that time we hadn't really had sort of a, a younger female contestant who was kind of really out there and sort of had a, a style of gameplay that you would that play I mean we'd sort of seen the younger females in both Borneo and um, Australia sort of almost just been there for the eye candy and nothing really more so did you kind of go into that thinking well look, I I can be the eye candy, but I also can be feisty and entertaining and uh, awesome to watch.
1: Um, You are so sweet. No one who has ever seen that show would confuse me with eye candy, but (laughs) I love you. I love you all the more now. No, I mean, I knew going into it, I'm sure you've heard from other players over, you know, the hundreds of players you've interviewed. But you you get to see who the competition is during the casting process, especially towards the end of the casting process. And so I knew I wasn't going to be a hot chick. Okay, so I'm not the hot chick. What is that? It's interesting, right? Because even in season three, you had this sort of meta awareness, like, there's who I am to myself, but there's also who I am to the show. Like, why was I cast for Survivor, and what do they want me to be when I'm there? Was a cognition I think a lot of people had going, it's something you consider, right? Going into the game. And I knew I wasn't a hot girl, so I kind of thought I was supposed to be this. Uh, witty, witty. I think I'm witty. I don't think I came off as witty on the show, but uh, maybe had my wits about me. I'll give myself credit that way, right? So, kind of a little bit uh, more strategic, younger lady. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't. I still don't know. To this day, why they put me on that show, and uh, I don't. I don't know if I fulfilled any particular goals that they had in putting me there. But I mean, in, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't go on there with any thoughts in my head about being anyone's eye candy. And, I mean, I wanted to be strategic because I wanted to win, Like, independent of anything else. I really, really thought I was going to walk away with a million dollars. And so, you know, regardless of what... The show I was looking for, that was my goal once I got that, you know, and have a good time, but mainly make dollars, which,
0: you know, didn't work out, but, but that's... <laughs> Well, I think it's it's sort of funny so early on in the game when I mean, we didn't see a whole uh, much, a great deal of you, but then sort of later in the game, obviously, we did. And, and a lot of sort of the interviews that you did on the jury and then post game and sort of the whole back from Africa thing, I think a whole a lot of things were shown of you that a lot of people sat back and thought, wow, you know, we really missed out on a, a big Kelly edit there. Did, did you feel sort of early on? On when you weren't shown as much, that there were perhaps some moments or things that happened that you were surprised they didn't actually show on TV?
1: Well, I think the problem is when you get kicked off as early as... I mean, not that I was kicked off early, but when you get kicked off as early as I did, you know that your story arc is just never going to be that rich, right? Because they're going to say There's only 44 minutes of television that they have in total when you take out the commercials. And then for a reality show like Survivor, when you take out the challenges and like the wraparounds and the intro and all that, the, out- the outro and all that stuff, there's so little airtime left for character development. And of course, they're going to stack the deck in favor of building up the people that are going to be the winners, right? Like, or the- close to being the winners. So they're going to build a richer account for those people. Or the people that have really dramatic climaxes, which I, I like to think that my-, my ending was a little bit dramatic. But I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it was too early for it to amount to all that much. So I knew, I knew. What, as soon as I knew when I got kicked off, I knew that my airtime was going to be limited just because there wasn't much of an arc you could build around me. Um, but, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that in my in my older age, right? So <laughs> was I disappointed then that you saw less of me? Yeah, of course, like you don't go on a reality show not to be seen. But on the other hand, now that I'm a grown-up and I have a job and I have students, I'm am I sort of glad that I didn't say more that made me sound like an idiot or, you know, said something ever regret. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm sure there was infinite comments on the cutting room floor that if you piece them together, Kelly Goldsmith, you know, looks like a snarky, not so great, you know, be it. I don't know. I have no idea. But, I mean, you can edit it together however you want. And sometimes the absence of information is more... <laughs> makes it more positive reflection than the actual information that they could have used so well, I again I don't have
0: any regrets about that well across all the interviews that were done on this show some of the sort of pre-merge uh, people we've interviewed who didn't get a lot of airtime at all um, we've found some of them are you know some of the best interviews because we don't get to see how sort of great their personalities are and everything due to them going home early so uh, you know right. you can see sort of why these people are put on the show in the first place despite the fact that they're obviously eliminated quite early
1: right I mean, I worked for Survivor and casting later in life. I worked for Survivor in, um, what, 2003. And, you know, every single person that gets on that show is interesting. 100%. Right? 100%. Every single person that's put on that show has a point of view, has something to say, has a unique background. There's nobody that's, I mean, whatever, I'm clearly blowing myself up by including myself in this category, <laughs> but I, I like to think there's almost nobody on that show that if you were to sit down and have a beer with them, you wouldn't walk away being like, wow, that was like a really sort of interesting or fun or crazy or unique character I just got to spend some time with, and I hope I would would aspire to count myself in that category.
2: Yes.
0: So, uh,
1: but honestly, compared to some of the other people I've met from the show, I maybe I come in on the low end. I don't know. There's a lot of really cool
2: characters.
0: <laughs> there certainly have been some unique ones over the years. Who, who were the people that you really were drawn to when you first started playing on Baran? And were there perhaps relationships maybe that we never really got to see that perhaps you felt you were really close with some people?
1: Well, it's tough to say looking back because in so, with so many years that have gone by, the relationships have all evolved. Like Tim Powers, who was on my season, is one of my favorite people in the world. She and I were roommates. I introduced her to her husband. Well, I mean, I emailed her this morning, right? So we we had a friendship that started on the show, which really, you know, then continued off the show, and it's just a very rich, real world relationship. And. I love her to death. And this is another person, Kim, who on the show didn't get a ton of airtime. She was cute. She was eye candy. Mm-hmm. But she, her personality didn't really come through. And she's hilarious. Like, she is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And I, I have a high bar. I, I like to think. I have a high bar for funny. <laughs> and that girl was hilarious. And so, you know, I mean, she, that's one thing I guess that didn't play out in the show. It's funny because when you talk to people... At, right, immediately after the game in my case and then years later I think people don't really care but immediately after the game everyone's like oh do you hate Lex and oh do you hate Brandon and <laughs> even immediately after the game you kind of don't hate at least for me I kind of didn't hate anybody I was just so grateful to have had the experience that even though it didn't break my way in terms of winning a million dollars it would it was really it would be really hard for me to fabricate some sort of Thing that I was bitter about even right after the show was over. Um, I think of more like rich relationships I have with people. I don't know, Lindsay Richter and Jeffy were roommates with my ex-boyfriend because they all needed to place. I don't know. There was all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff that happened. There was all kinds of weird reality TV connections. Yes. Krista Hasty and I went to the Playboy Mansion together. Right. I lost my keys. Oh my God. It was like one of the most bizarre <laughs> nights of my life. Wow. Uh, Johnny Fairplay was there. Like There was a million and one. There was like a reality show after the reality show. There were so many weird, weird, weird things that happened. But, uh, but fun, fun, rich life experiences. And if I had If it hadn't been for me going on a show, then I would never have had, you know, three years in my early 20s that I was back on and really
0: scratch my head sometimes <laughs> <laughs> well we have found that so many people sort of on the show have had these relationships not just with people uh, on their season but also from other seasons i mean we recently interviewed mm-hmm. um rob de from marquesas uh, and he hadn't sort of mm-hmm. been around for a while and i had people I had tanya from thailand emailing me saying "Oh, say hi to the general form we haven't spoken to him in ages and sort of all these sort of weird connections so uh we love hearing this kelly particularly sort of after all these years as well yeah
1: i think i mean again as someone you know i've had two experiences of the show right i have my own experience as a fan i mean i've had three experiences i had my experience as a fan i had my experience as a contestant and then i have my experience in working and casting and i think two out of three of those experiences both as a fan as and as someone who worked for them in casting like you want to know more about what happens to these people and like how their weird little universes overlap and you know it's it's I mean, I've got so many crazy nights with, like, Jenna from season one, and then Jenna and Ethan and me hung out for a long time, and Kim, and it was just such a crazy band in this And this was before Rob with two Bs was then on the show later, <laughs> and oh my God, so many crazy things. Uh... Really, if there was, like, diehard fans out there who were interested in, I'm sure there's, there's so much dirt that could be dug up from Survivor, you know, over the past 500 contestants. It's, uh, it's fertile ground.
0: We are, we're going to do that. We're going to do that in another episode, I think. Um, <laughs> we're just going to dig up the yeah. dirt. <laughs> there is It's
1: unlimited. There's unlimited dirt to dig, let me tell
0: you. Oh, You're, you're wetting our appetite a lot here. Uh, sort of, as I mentioned before in Africa, the first ever tribal switch happens. Uh, now, when that happens in that moment, we see what we see, but what else is being said there that we're not seeing it and how are you thinking at that point like shit this is this is completely screwed me up or are you thinking well hang on a minute this could actually work in my favor
1: if i'm being honest and this is gonna i don't want to sound like again it was not or i'm not grateful but at the time my tri- again i'm 21 right my tribe had kind of skewed a little bit more mature uh which is me being polite to say we were a little bit boring like we were not having that much We weren't, as a group, like, our group dynamic was not fun and energetic and engaged, right? So we had Kim Johnson, who's 57, with Lex, who's hip, right? But he's acting like a dad and not in a negative way. But, you know, he's being a (laughs) grown-up. And we had Ethan, who I loved, and who I now realize off the game is super fun, but in the game was super boring. Like, really conservative, really quiet, not disclosing a lot of information about himself, and then, you know, a few more people, I mean, Big Tom was a character, but other than that, I mean, even Big Tom was Melon was the time he was tired. Um, so there wasn't a lot going on in my tribe, and so when they did the switch, as a participant in the show, I was not like, oh shit, I was like, oh, cool, like, maybe we'll spice it up, and I'll get to hang out with some fresh faces, like, I thought, I don't know, if i breathe a little life into my... Otherwise, kind of, we weren't, like, sad and mopey. Honestly, Africa was just really hot, and we didn't have a lot to do. We did it was, we were just six boring people sitting around most of the time when I was on a show. <laughs> so when the tribal switch happened, and myself included, I wasn't like I was bringing a lot to the table. So then when the switch happened, I was like, as a participant in the show, I'm like, great, we're going to spice it up. There's going to be more young people. Maybe this will be fun for me. But also, you know, you have this sort of metacognition of how the viewer is going to perceive this. And as someone who had been such an avid fan, I'm thinking, God, the viewers are gonna love this. This is crazy. They're giving us, you know, different buffs and we're flipping tides and you know, wow, can you imagine the job They're gonna be dropping all over America when they see this one? <laughs> so that was all I know so, I no way was I bummed out by the switch. I mean, in a weird circuitous route, I guess it did sort of facilitate my expulsion. In the long run, but something was going to facilitate my expulsion in the long run. Honestly, looking back, I mean, I'm just lucky I didn't make more of an ass of myself by like tripping on something <laughs> or, I don't know, becoming dehydrated uh, or dying. Like, I have no physical abilities whatsoever and my outdoor skills are severely limited. It's amazing I made it as far as I did. Um, so I, I I still declare victory that I would not expel through some, like, massive embarrassment.
2: Um,
1: I don't know. Maybe some of the viewers thought the way I was kicked out was embarrassing. But relative to, like, getting kicked out if I tripped and broke a leg, i with
0: You'll, it. It. with You'll take it. You'll take it. That works. That works. It's it's yeah, it's, I'll take it. it's interesting kind of saying about how the the fans reacted in that because I remember when they sort of advertised it how big of a deal they made about it because it was a huge thing at the time. And yeah. the, and then yeah. um I mean for yourself as a fan, you're part of this history-making moment in Survivor, which now we take for granted. Right. There's a switch basically every season. But at the time First time it's ever happened, Kelly. You're part of Survivor
2: history.
1: Right. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I think... And I think that it's not just me that recognized that. I think everyone in the game even you know if something terrible is happening to you're you recognizing the fact that well at least it's going to play well on television which is a level of um, sort of thought that I don't think existed you know in season one of Survivor it was so new and even in season two probably they really didn't know what they're getting into so no one's thinking through no one's taking the perspective of the audience right Mm. whereas now reality TV is so commonplace I think everyone on every show can't help but take that role of thinking, like, what are people going to think when they watch me do this? Or what are people going to think when they watch this happen to me? Which is a very different way of going through a game as compared to just, like, living in the moment and having your strategy and trying to make a million dollars. So I think really, I mean, one thing about, I know Africa gets trapped all the time, and, you know, as compared to other seasons, I get why it wasn't this dynamic. But on the other hand, I think one thing that Africa represents and sort of more of the historical perspective on reality shows is it was really an example of a turning point in terms of the level of awareness, um, in terms of the participants' level of awareness of having an audience, right, of knowing we're going to be the number one show in America, of knowing 500 million or however many people are going to be tuning in and seeing me do this thing. Like, fundamentally, that affects players' behavior, and that affects the way people experience the game, just knowing they're being watched on such a massive level. Yeah. Knowing you're going to come off on, of it and have your face on the cover of TV Guide, right? Yeah. Which, season one, they had no idea. So...
2: Yeah,
0: that's a good point. So go Africa.
1: We have that. Yeah. If nothing else...
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, a very good point with that. Because as you said, Borneo, they had no idea. Australian Outback. I mean, that sort of went on to obviously huge success as well. But, um, it's sort of that, that awareness of it. Because, I mean, now it's all about just sort of a, a podcast or a radio show interview, really the day after. They're not on David Letterman that week. You know, they're well. not, they're not on TV guide and all this sort of stuff anymore. So I suppose today, uh, people would probably kill for the sort of attention that you guys got back in the day.
1: You know, it's so different. I, you know, I met a bunch of people who've been on more recent seasons. Like I was saying, when they were here at Northwestern, and um, they they don't have that kind of stuff that we did. In the in the sense that, like you mentioned, they they're not going to go on David Letterman, they're not going to be on Howard Stern, they're not going to you know be on the cover of TV Guide or the cover of Us Weekly. But on the other hand, they have this very uh, rich social media landscape yes. that we had none of. I mean, the internet just wasn't then what it is now, right? Mm. And so, you know, they can have their own Twitter feeds, and they can have their own Twitter followings, and they can have their own Facebook fan pages, and they can do all these podcasts and stuff. And it's it's very different, and what's kind of nice about it in a certain way is for those people who go on the show and then want to self-promote and want to be their own PR engine, you have all sorts of vehicles to blow yourself up with social media being what it is, which didn't exist before. I mean, a lot of people who came up Survivor really felt like I know for a fact, you know, in 2001, most of the people who were on the show, you did the interviews that Survivor got you, and then that was it. And then you went back to your normal life. Whereas, you know, I guess nowadays, if you don't want to go back to your normal life and you really want to sort of make the most of your 15 minutes, there's just a lot of different ways to go about doing that, which is kind of cool.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, do do you feel that you would have liked to sort of played Survivor in the age of of social media, not just for that aspect, but even to like interact with the fans? Because, I mean, on this most recent season and sort of the most frequent ones, things like Twitter, you know, people are tweeting out there whilst they're watching themselves and people are engaging and all this sort of stuff. So there's a whole other element, as you're sort of talking about, that you maybe think you might have missed out on
1: yeah i mean i I think about it like i hadn't thought about it until i met these people and then i was thinking about it and thinking would it have been more fun for me to have that like i mean there's no way i wouldn't have live tweeted the entire episode every episode i was on (laughs) right there's no way there's no way i wouldn't have set up my own you know kelly goldsmith is awesome dot (laughs) com fan page i don't know i would have been really into it because i was really you know i was sort of trying to live it up and make the most of the experience but i think Doing that kind of stuff is part and parcel uh, of making the most of the experience for a lot of people. That said, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like I had such, like, I had it so good coming off that show. And not having to set up your own interviews and not having to hustle to try to milk your 15 minutes also has its benefits. Like, it really, we got a lot of love and attention from CBS, which made me feel good. Yeah. You know, it was neat to be gone. I would never be able to get myself on a Hollywood star or, you know, I it. I got to do a bunch of red carpets and stuff which at the time when you're a 21-year-old girl, like, how cool is that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I All I can say is I'm happy with, with what I did and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for probably anything else. But I'm also happy that, uh, even though people today are having a different experience,
2: it also seems
0: like a pretty cool experience. Well, you, you're still you're on Twitter now. You're active on this show, on John's show. So a few people are sort of uh, hearing you now. As I said, when they get to the listener questions, a lot of people have a lot to say uh, about everything with that. But uh, just sort of on, on the game, after the switch, you were very uh, you know key in there trying to find out getting the who had passed votes uh, from previous tribal councils. Now, I'm guessing this based off watching Australian Outback sort of coming in with that, thinking, well, this is a way to, to break a tie were you the only one thinking that were there other people saying hey we need to find out who gets the uh who has the past votes at all
1: i was definitely super aware of the past votes thing because it had come up in prior seasons and i think as a big fan i was trying to i really wanted to use my knowledge as a fan to improve my status in the game because honestly i can't i have no athletic ability i have no outdoor skills I've gotten nothing. There's no reason to keep me on the tribe besides I knew a thing or two about a thing or two about Survivor,
2: right?
1: <laughs> so I definitely was trying to, like, build some social capital off of that, probably to my own detriment, though. Like, I think my efforts to be, like, strategic, um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You've interviewed more people from the show than I have. If you were to ask them, I don't think anybody would have thought, like, oh, that Kelly was just like a smarty little strategic manipulative person, um... That said, I mean, I think the fact that I was so aware about things like that, and I would voice how aware I was about things like that, did lead to a level of apprehension among some of my tribe mates. Because like you said, back in the day, alliance was a dirty word, and strategy was a dirty word, and I don't know, I was someone who was never against alliances or strategies, I really wanted to win. And I was never gonna be Colby Donaldson or, you know, somebody who won based on winning the challenges. Right I never was in the cards for me. Hmm. So, you know, you have to uh you have to work with what you got. And that was all I had was really a a deep knowledge of what had been on the show so far. Yeah. Which is so funny. You look back on it and it's like, I had seen 26 episodes of Survivor. Uh, <laughs> therefore, I deserve to win, right?
0: It's so <laughs> ludicrous. Well, it's, it's it's interesting because I think when people sort of talk about players who have really kind of used what's happened on other seasons to their advantage and sort of thought about things that had happened along the way. A lot of people talk about Rob Sestanino because they say he was kind of one of the first real players to kind of yeah. play a variety of things that people have done and start new things. I think if you look at your season though, I mean, you're probably one of, if not the first player to kind of use something from a previous season to your advantage so you knew that if there is a tie, pass votes would come into play and I mean, that right. again had never been done before. So again Kelly, I'm trying to find here the history making moments that you've been part of in Survivor. So oh, you
1: don't so sweet! Oh my gosh! I'm a suck wonder, up. I'm like a suck now. up on
0: this show, Kelly. Come oh on! Oh my
1: gosh! Wait, no! How how have we waited so many years to talk? I could have had this conversation much earlier. Yes, I was a game changer. Kelly Goldsmith, two three. Um, I I think you we're giving me. As much as I love this line of discourse, I think we're giving you a little bit too much credit. Yeah. Um, because I think, I mean, Lex also was very aware of what had happened on We all seen every episode. We're only talking about 26 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like any, except for Clarence on my show, who uh, my tribe, who had seen nothing. <laughs> um, he literally, like, didn't want to go on Survivor, was trying to get on Big Brother, ended up on Survivor through some weird freak coincidence, and I don't think he had ever seen an episode. So he's an exception. But the rest of us we all knew what time it was. Mm-hmm. So, um so, yeah, as much as I want to take credit for being a huge game changer, and I do, believe me, um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, I don't know if that's
0: fair. Well, again, people know that I'm a suck-up on this show, Kelly, and uh, look, in all, in all seriousness, um, I've, and i have spoken a lot about it on this show, actually, um, we, we did um, some. We do commentaries, basically, where a bunch of the people who work on the show, we sit through each of the episodes and give our take on how things are playing out, and we recently did Africa, and I think the whole time I spent talking about how much of a fan, like I, they were asking me, who was your favourite in the Season, and I was saying, Well, Kelly was easily one of my favorites. Ah. And um, I kept Thank saying you. how much I wanted to see you play, like you and Lindsay. Like, I absolutely love you guys in that season. So, um,
1: um, oh my gosh, Lindsay is a hoot and a half. She is good television, let me tell you. The fact that she wasn't on it longer, like, again she was not boring, right? Like, whereas my tribe, for whatever reason, and this is not a slam against any of those individuals, just the way we came together, we were not a bunch of firecrackers as a group. We did a lot of sitting around, a lot of sleeping, a lot of talking about nothing. Um, Whereas Lindsay, I feel like all the good crazy got stacked on the other tribe. Like, you had Frank, who was, you know, really like a character with his NRA and his guns, and then you had Brandon, who was so flamboyant, and then you had Lindsay, who was, you know, very... Uh, what's the right word? Like simultaneously screaming, she was a strong girl yet breaking into tears at the same time. Like right? So, like really amazing. I'm anyway, a Kim who's hilarious, right? So then you had Silas too. is just a beefcake, right? I do feel like all a lot of for whatever reason. I have no idea how they divide up these tribes, but a lot of the good action was thrown on a uh, on Sambura, Whereas poor Boran, we just were boring. Like we really did not bring it. Um, but I promise, let me on behalf of my of my tribe as an alumnus. Um, all those people are interesting. Most of those people are very interesting in their
0: life. <laughs> well, that's what we like to hear. And in the end, of course, uh, four original Baran members make up the final four, and the only three people who ever return from your season – all originally came from Baran. So, they've this,
1: this, this done something wrong. That's right. true. I mean, that's really, that's interesting, right? Like, it's interesting to think about it because, like, the challenge of my actual experience, it wasn't like we were the fun ones. But you did just fundamentally, I have, again, I work in casting, but I'm not like some casting genie. I don't know how to make all the decisions. Like, if you look at Lex, like, he tells a story before he opens his mouth. Like, right? He's a very yes. specific type of person. And you get it the second you see it. And the same is true with Tom. And um, who else? Oh, and then Ethan, is that's not true of Ethan, but Ethan has just been such an excellent winner. Like, he really came into his own, in my opinion, post-show. Even though he won the show, trust me when I say, believe me, I was there, this dude was not bringing his personality when he was in the game. And I think that's part of the reason that he won was because everybody kind of liked him. Like, no one had anything bad to say about him because he played it really close to the vest, which may get you a million dollars, but also makes you a little bit boring to hang out with. Um, But then in real life, Ethan is like, Super interesting. He's a great, great guy. I couldn't be more proud that he ended up being the winner. I am much rather have him be the winner than me. He's an excellent <laughs> winner uh, to represent the show and this the whole franchise of Survivor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hello to Ethan, should he be listening as well, and to anybody else on your season that we haven't spoken to as well. Just uh, when the merge comes about, uh, what's, what's your plan from that point there, Kelly? I mean, are you, were you going to stick to the, the majority alliance or were you going to then at that point see what the other options were for you to kind of make it further in the
2: game?
1: Um, there was a 0% chance, 0, you know, negative whatever number percent chance that I was going to switch alliances because I realized we had it pretty good. As soon as we had the numbers advantage, there was zero advantage to me defecting. And I know, I mean, I'm not a shit for the sake of stirring shit, right? Like, I really wanted to win. And, you know, if you're in the dominant majority and you've been with these people the whole time, I, there's no downside to playing those numbers. So, I mean, I 100% never would have gone against my alliance. Um, but then we had this mm. issue where it was obvious. Basically, I mean, I, again, this isn't concerning about Lex. I like Lex a lot. And also now that there's been this like, rich history of reality television, you see lots of examples of people doing behaviors that like what he did. though so at the time, it was more novel, I think. Whereas, because we had this, like, six four majority, Lex felt, like, I mean, he got cocky, right? So he felt like we could kick off Clarence because we had this majority. We didn't need to keep him anymore. And so we could just, and, and there was really, number one, I liked Clarence. I thought Clarence was fun. He was the only other, like, young, fun, sort of willing to have a normal conversation with you person on my tribe. I had nothing against him whatsoever. So I, he was kicking off my friend for no good reason other than the fact that he could, Right. And that did rub me the wrong way because, again, it was just Hubert. Like, there was no reason to do it. We had the numbers advantage. There's no reason to do it besides, you know, like I said, because you could. And also, like, some of it made the air, some of it didn't, but Lex told Clarence we were all going to kick him off and Lex told Clarence that we decided to get rid of him. And the whole thing, like, this was not the spirit of the reality show that I wanted to go on, right? Like, Clarence felt like shit and, like, it mm. just was interpersonally awkward having him all sitting around a fire and Lex was like, all right, son, it's your time to go and don't take it personal, but we got to get rid of you. And it didn't really make any sense. Like, there was no good reason to do it besides kind of like a, again, because he could. And it was really demonstrating mm. his power um, as the head of our alliance, which, again, in the grand scheme of reality TV history is no big deal. But at the time, I was like, what the hell? right? Like, this is not that cool. You could have kept Clarence and we could have picked off these other guys one by one, which was our plan. Um, so when Clarence got vo- I mean, this isn't, like, a secret. I mean, I think most of this made it to air. When Clarence got voted off, he asked me who, he knew who I was going to vote against him because I wasn't going to violate our pact or whatever, our <laughs> alliance. Um, I was going to do what Lex said, but he said, well, you know, he said there's this thing where people's prior votes can come back and haunt them. Whoever you want me to vote for, I'll vote for them because you are the only person that was nice to me, meaning Kelly Goldsmith. Nice person. Who's so invite the ass. So I'm like, yeah, you should vote for Lex. I think what he did, you was fucked up, right? So he uh, votes for Lex. Lex. Then someone else votes for Lex, too. And then Lex blames me, but it wasn't really me. It was Teresa, but she's lying about it. And then Tony Goldstein just kicked off. So, I mean, that's, that is the way the cookie crumbled. I don't even know what question <laughs> led to that. Good it happens on the
0: show all the time. It happens, I'll ask a question, we'll talk about something, and before you know it, we're talking about the political situation in the Ukraine or something like that. So, Oh,
1: actually, I'm glad <laughs> we didn't get that far off the field. I'm glad I stayed with the Not yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, but when I switch tribes? The, the point is, no, I absolutely would not switch alliances until Lex is trying to get everybody to vote me off. And then again, he's doing this sort of bravado thingy of with where he's telling me and everyone else that it's my turn to go. And I'm like, okay, well, screw this. I'm not just going to sit here idly by like Clarence did and let you vote me off. Like, I'm going to go with this maligned minority of people from the other tribe and try to see if we can vote you off because this is silly. So I did try to, like, stage a coup, uh, but it was a retroactive coup. It was in response to him telling me that I was the next to go. It was not a proactive coup.
0: Well, it would have worked Um, had Brandon then not flipped. I mean... Think about how close that could have been had Brandon decided not to side with uh, the Dude, Lex and the crew.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm happy Ethan's the winner because Ethan is an excellent representative, not only of Africa, but of the Survivor franchise. And that said, if Brandon hadn't flipped, the final five would have been the four Samburu people and myself. And, you know, would I have been fifth? Maybe. Uh, me and Kim were awfully good friends though and Brandon was pure was right to my face. So who knows, right? I could have I could've done a lot better. And at least it would have been interesting for the viewers. Um whereas, you know, what, what actually happened was more I don't know. I guess i got me voted off, that was the turn, and then Brandon got voted off and that was a turn. I don't know. Mm. It ended up being a little bit predictable, I think. But um I mean and it, it, my efforts to spice it up, or not actually efforts to spice it up by switching tribes like for the sake of making good television, which I know some people do today. My, I was really just trying to preserve my status in the game and win a million dollars. Mm. And obviously it didn't work out. But, um, but I don't know. Could, I'm glad. I'm super glad for the winner that we do have. He does a better job of being a survivor winner than uh, I could have ever aspired to. So we got everything worked out for how it we was supposed to in the well, end.
0: Who knows if Brandon hadn't have flipped, Frank could have won. And imagine how survive would have been had
1: Frank uh, Garrison that's would have true. won. <laughs> No, secretly at least Frank Garrison is interesting, right? Yes. Like Frank Garrison, as someone who's in the marketing department, but Frank Garrison lives the brand, right? He's wearing camo, he's toting a gun, he's got four daughters, and they all kill their own turkeys. You know his job—he humps flags, but he doesn't hump flagpoles. What does he call it? <laughs> phone poles. Like, but he, this is like a term. He is, is humping, so he humps the phone poles and climbs up the phone poles and fixes these live wires. I mean, he lives the brand. He is through and through the guy that you think he would be the second you see his photo in the opening sequence, right? And there's something to be said for that. Um, Whereas Ethan was Like, what was Ethan? Ethan was cute. Ethan was a soccer player. Mm -hmm. But, like, he wasn't as easy to characterize as someone like Frank. He wasn't as easily digestible. Just like, even Lex is very easy to digest when you just see him. So it's Yeah. Um, So Frank could have been a good winner. This is all a long way, I think. Frank could have been a good winner in his own way, though I'm still very glad
0: we had mm, Indeed, and uh, we're all big fans of Frankie too. Going to get to listen to questions in a sec, Kelly, and wrap it up with our final set as well, but um, just also uh, when you're in Ponderosa, you're living that jury life, then Lex comes uh, back after he's voted out just before the final two. Does he come to you to apologize? Do you go
1: to him? Is anything said? No, sent? that did not shake down that way at all, for a variety of reasons. Number one, um, the way that the Ponderosa sort of Happened in my season was I was there by myself for three days as the first member in the jury, which unequivocally sucked. It was so boring. Then Brandon got kicked off, completely lies to me about having voted against me, and like we spent three days being best friends, right? Because I've been alone by myself for three days, and I he tells me he didn't vote against me, and I have no reason not to believe him. So we're best friends for three days. Then Frank gets kicked off. All I know is Frank hates Brandon, won't speak to him. So then we have three days when it's incredibly awkward when it's just the three of us sitting around <laughs> and two of them won't speak to each other. Then I forget, then Kim came off and then Kim told me what happened with, right, I forget if it was Kim or Teresa, but whoever yeah. came off next told me that Brandon had just lying to me. So now I have to reconcile this dissonance that like, this guy has been actually like my best friend for like nine days now it Turns out he's been lying to me about everything. And now that there's not a million dollars on the line if I just want to go ahead and hate him and be a dick to him then I have free reign to do so. But of course I didn't because it's just not that not that way but uh but i couldn't um so anyways lex i didn't see lex at all until you know right before the final tribal council and he was so spun up in the fact that he wasn't in the final two like he had about and i don't mean this in a negative way he had about zero interest in talking to anybody or me or anything he was really you could tell he was, and you could see it when he did the first season of All-Stars, right? Yeah. Like, he was really involved in the game and really caught up in it. And, uh, you know, apologizing to some 21-year-old you know kicked off 14 days ago was not on his list of priorities, right? Nor should it be. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, later in life, I guess he kind of apologized to me. Though I don't think he was ever really sorry, and I don't blame him, right? Like, he was just trying to win a million dollars. I was just trying to win a million dollars. <laughs> we were just doing the best we could on the information we had, right? Do we have perfect personalities? No, but did we both do our best? Yes. I mean, you know, he doesn't owe me apology for anything. Mm.
0: And did your vote at the end uh, really come down to a guessing of the number, or did you always know you were going to vote? Yeah. For
1: okay. So, uh, like a subtext to that <laughs> is you have to remember that I was 20, 21 and single, and I had a super huge crush on Greg Bueller, right? <laughs> super yes. huge. I wanted to make out with that guy at Hardcore. I thought he was so cute. I thought he was, like, so famous because he was on season one. So this, like, was partially this love letter to Greg Lewis. Like, I thought if I said, pick a number, i like, I don't know if he'd call me or honestly. Like, I honestly thought that, right? So, and also, bear in mind, I had however many days, 15 days in the Loser Lodge to, like, sit there and meditate on what I'm going to say in the jury, and I think... Knowing that my arc was going to be shorter than I intended, I really wanted to milk that jury speech for all it was worth. It's... And unfortunately, when you've got 15 days to sit there and like think about like, okay, I want to make Greg in love with me and I want to be witty but I want to be insightful and I want to, you know, slam Lex but not too much and I want to look smart but not bitter. Like I really put too much work into it. <laughs> and so I come up with this like thing to say in the jury that I think is hilarious. Like I think it is super funny and in witty and, you know, smart, and I think Greg Ewis is going to fall in love with me, and I have this whole I have this whole fantasy in my head about how this, like, 15-second snippet on television is going to change my life, and lo and behold, I just end up looking like a nut, right? Like, it just did not translate the way I wanted it to, and I mean, I, I hope I hope that viewers, right, if anybody saw that much like my dad, and kind of rolled their eyes or thought it was, you know, I was embarrassing myself. Number one, I'm aware I embarrassed myself, but number two, you know, it all I can say is it really made sense at the time, and if anyone's had the opportunity where like they have a really high stakes situation and they're really trying to do their best and they really put a bunch of thought into it, and in fact, they overthink it and they overwordsmith it to death, and it ends up sounding crazy, that's what happened to me. <laughs> so, uh, so number one, Greg Buist, uh, I'm married now, but just FYI, that one was for you. Uh, <laughs> number two, um, I did actually do the pick-a-number thing. Um, I'm happy but it worked out the way it did because I'm super happy Ethan won and I would have been super embarrassed if I voted for Kim Johnson because she would not have nearly been the winner that Ethan was. Mm. Um, and then what number three, I guess, uh, life lesson for all of us, right? If you have a super high stakes situation, you know, don't spend get a life, right? I should have been running around in Africa and checking out gazelles and not spending so much time with a notebook trying to be like, "This is my moment in the time," right?
0: That's not good. It's not good. Did uh, did Greg actually call you after that? Have you ever met Greg?
1: Oh my gosh, he never called me. Oh. Never, I've never met him. I know, and I've met so many other people from the show, but no, Greg viewers. We got him. I know, we got an so interview sad. with
0: him the other year, Kelly. We pulled him out what? of hiding, so uh, I've got his contact details. You know, just shh, on the side.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, no but now i'm married but at least you could have told him i had a crush on it i will um, i will now <laughs> i mean most of the other people from the show i had a crush on i was able to like get to meet them or and or get to know enough about them that the crush went away <laughs> um yeah i did i mean not to brag i did make out with colby donaldson oh. but that is actually thank you thank you very much wow but that is not Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. But that is not... uh, Number one... eh, Wait, how do I put this in a classy way? I am one of, like, hundreds of survivor contestants that can make that claim. Um, So it's not like... It's not like Colby Donaldson was the pickiest, right? Um, Clearly. But I I got my moment um, at the saddle Ranch shop house we fully made out, and then I, like a classy lady, was like, I'm going to excuse myself and hail a cab and go home and declare this night a victory. And that was the end of my, my whirlwind romance with Colby Donaldson. But we full on we full-on made out at the bar at the center.
0: Wow. Who else did he make have, out have, with? Have, Who have, else did he make out with? Spill, Spill.
1: Oh my God, so many people. Um, I'm just shocked he didn't make out with Tina Weston, to be honest, <laughs> having watched this too. But uh, but actually, I don't know. I, I have no imp- I have no evidence they didn't make out. Uh. But there's, there's a, in the early days, it was, just, it was a free-for-all. Um, it's, it's amazing if you try to do some sort of family tree of all the relationships that happen. I mean, just even relationships, not just make sessions <laughs> that happened between people that have been on the show. It would be a very, very complicated and confusing tree. Mm,
0: one one which I think Ethan could be the root. I swear Ethan's been in a relationship with every single Survivor contestant. Can I just say that? <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, but he was with Jenna for a really long time, Mm. so I think I don't know which other relationships you have in mind, but I think I know. He was with Amber,
0: wasn't he? And then I think um, he knew Corinne before she was ever on Survivor, so I know there's at least two there. So, Mm. hmm,
1: there's more. There's more than two because you and I know different ones.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, But I mean,
1: whatever. It's hard out there, right? Like he's a good-looking dude. He's charming. Of course, he's gonna. You know, everybody was young and had just had this weird life experience on national television. I mean, it wasn't like the Jersey Shore where we actually did the making out on the show. Yes. But, you know, as normal, red-blooded human beings, the making out was going to happen somewhere. Mm. So, yes, yes, survival world. My claim to fame. I may not have won a million dollars, but I did get to make out with Colby Donaldson. <laughs> Unfortunately, not Greg Bueller. Uh But life goes
0: on. Yeah, for, for all the ladies and the men out there, is Colby Donaldson a good kisser?
1: Oh, my gosh. I wish I could say I remember. Um, I really wish, like, honestly, like, I was so, I don't know if this ever happened to anybody else, but, like, I was so proud of myself that we made out that I, like, left the bar triumphantly. Like, now I have accomplished something. And I didn't, you know, I didn't make any endeavors to follow up on it um he's a kisser probably um i'm sure he's fine yeah i'm sure I, I i mean honestly he could have like stuck his tongue in my eyeball and i would have been like i mean that was colby so it's not
0: you know <laughs> well what what <laughs> one thing that I, I have to ask sort of to get off this topic as well but another thing that i'm sure a lot of people are, are intrigued about did jerry and colby make out
1: good question and the short answer is i don't know i mean i would assume yes based on just the numbers, the sheer volume <laughs> of women from the show that I stories about making out with him. Um, I would assume, yes. But uh, but I don't know. Not, not that I witnessed. I've witnessed him making out with girls other than me, me with my own eyes, but not Jerry. <laughs> Jerry didn't run around in the same scene. She was a little bit more of a grown-up um, than than the rest of us at the time. Okay, um, But there's a lot of those guys who had no shortage of... <laughs> We're interest after the show.
0: Unsurprisingly, right? Like- oh, of course, of course. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We do a, um, we did an episode last year of this show called the Random Secrets episode where we got a couple of survivors to kind of spill on, uh, you know, things about living on Survivor that, that maybe we've never told about before and things like that. So, uh, if we do a number two, I've already got John Carroll lined up to be a part of it because he's told us some great stories on this show over the years. Um, so look, Kelly, I'm going to keep you in mind for Random Secrets episode number two. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm mean, going to have to send out like a disclosure form to everyone I knew when I lived in L.A. But I do know, let me tell you, I'm a rich treasure trove of random secrets.
0: Uh, we're, we're definitely getting involved there. Now, just also before we get to these listener questions as well, one of the most common listener questions I got, I think I probably got this about 10, 15 times, was asking you about how close you got to All-Stars. Now, Kelly, Spill, how close did you get to being on All-Stars?
1: Number one, why are we using past tense verbs? Because I am so close to being on All Stars. <laughs> um, number two, the answer is is very close. So the story, the, I don't know. I think the story is kind of funny, though. At the time, of course, it was tragic. But um, what happened with the first season of All Stars was I was approached to be on it, and at the time I was living, like I said, I was living in LA, and like you know making it with Colby and whatnot. <laughs> and they approached me to go on the show, and I was super excited about it. And, you know, I get the physical through their doctors. I get the injections. I get my visas. I get everything squared away. I buy all this crap to wear, and I pack it in a bag. And it was, uh, it was Halloween in 2003, and we were supposed to leave the next day, which was November 1st, obviously. And I get a voicemail on my phone. It's like, hey, this is, you know, so calling from CBS. Just want to say thank you for jumping through some extra hoops for us, but we're not going to need you this season. Oh. And I am like, what, what, what? Like, you know, jaw on the ground. I had I quit my job, I had my bills rerouted. Like, I was 100, I, mean, I had no reason to think I wasn't going on the show, mm. right? So I'm totally confused by this. Again, dad tact, think I'm leaving the next day. Quit my job. I don't think this is black. I mean, I think this is unambiguous when I'm going. And so then I, uh, I follow up with them, and what had happened was Jenna's mom, obviously, for those who saw the show, Jenna's mom was, uh, was sick and with cancer and she Jenna had been Jenna who won season six and was this beautiful bikini model mm. had been saying that she didn't want to go. And then She Anne Quang from season five, who was a lawyer, was giving them all this contract drama, like she was wanting to renegotiate her contract and acting like she was unhappy with the contract. But she was from season five and you know she was an Asian woman and she had a lot of stuff going for her. So the show CBS was more interested in Jenna from season six, who was a winner and a bikini model, or She from season five Who's the only person from Season 5 that would have been on All-Stars, they were more interested in the two of them than they were in me, but nobody ever told me this. And because uh, Jenna and Sheehan had been giving them all these, uh, I want to say problems, but had been indicating that they might not go, I was the first alternate, Uh. and they just assumed one of the two of them would back out. So they assumed I would be going one way or the other, and then, of course, at the end of the day, both of them go. I (laughs) I was the first person kicked off Survivor (laughs) All-Stars, is what I like to say. So I get, I get the booth and, uh, and the rest is history. So actually, that's how I ended up getting the job for CBS though was. So I called them and I'm trying to be nice, but at the same time, they could have told me I was an alternate, right? Yeah. So I, uh, I called them up and I'm like, look, I quit my job. I'm in this really bad position. Um, I just want to, if you could tell me any more about what happened. So they tell me the whole details and then they say, listen, you know, we feel really crappy, um, to the extent that people who work in reality can use feel crappy about <laughs> And uh, they say, if you want to come work for us in casting, we'd love to have you. You can work for us for as long as you want. And I was applying to grad school at the time, so I knew I was going to go to grad school in about you know, six to eight months. So it was, you know, it seemed like an awesome opportunity. So I immediately jumped at it and, you know, the flight I didn't get to All Stars was on Saturday and instead of going on that Monday, I showed up at uh, what used to be called Survivor Entertainment Group, but I think it's now called Mark Burnett Productions. And I started working for them in casting right away. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was an awesome job. It was so much fun. I loved working in the production company. I loved getting to know, like, the people I've been seeing behind the camera for, you know, six and a half weeks when I was on the show. Now you get to see them actually editing the footage and, like, you think they're cool and they kind of think they're cool because what a freak show that one of these former contestants <laughs> is actually, like, walking amongst <laughs> us. So um it was, it, Mark Burnett was there and, you know, I had a bunch of crazy Fun weird experiences with him because he's a kooky dude, <laughs> and uh, it was super fun. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing, amazing opportunity. And as someone who later, you know, was going on to get their PhD in behavioral decision making and understanding how people's minds work and understanding how people make their choices, it was just such a unique, unparalleled opportunity to get to know how people make decisions and get to know all different kinds of people in terms of like the people we bring into interview.
0: Fantastic.
1: So it was awesome. Um, it, I mean or whatever hindsight who knows maybe it would have been amazing also if i was on all stars but i can't say i regret the way things turned out at all because i just felt like i got to have such an amazing opportunity working for them in casting um so that was the first time i didn't go on all stars and then later in life they approached me to do it um in 2009 they approached me to do it and i you know when they approach you to do it they never tell you what the theme of the show is right Mm -hmm. So they say, oh, we want to have you really, really want you, we really, really want you to come to the show. And I just graduated with my PhD from Yale, and of course, my, I'm thinking, okay, you guys know I can't like run around the block. You know I would drown if you put me in the ocean. <laughs> so I'm just assuming the only reason they want me to go on the show is because I just got my PhD from Yale and like it looks kind of fancy. Mm. So I thought about it, but I also had this job at Kellogg that I just, at Northwestern that I'd just gotten. And I was nervous that if I went away for six weeks like right before starting my new job, especially on a reality show when I'm trying to establish myself as a, like serious academic, I was worried that my, my job would not take too kindly to it. So I politely uh, declined the opportunity not. to go on the show, which is funny because then the show ends up being heroes versus villains, <laughs> and there's no way I wouldn't have been on the villains team, <laughs> and that would have completely undermined my credibility in the classroom. It's like while I'm teaching, I'm on a show, and people are calling me a villain. So... That ended up being for the best. Wow. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, later in life, they asked me to come on. Um, well, asked me to come on is, is the wrong way to put it. We were in negotiations, I guess is how you'd say it, um, about doing blood versus water. nice. Right. But um, I didn't have any blood that would go with me. So my, <laughs> my dad is crazy interesting, but he's on the road like 300 days a year, and his schedule booked out two years in advance. He's a motivational speaker. So he was out, even though he was a great Survivor. And my husband at the time had suffered this major spinal injury, so he was with a disability, so he was out. So yeah, I got I got nothing. I had no one who wanted to uh, run around and you know play the game for a million dollars.
0: Wow! So well, they're still interested. We'll that's that's a positive though. That after all this time, they're still interested in you.
1: Well, I mean, what can I say? I I don't get it myself, but uh, <laughs> but I'm always flattered. I mean. What I, I, now that I feel like I've established myself in my job and people here take me pretty seriously in a good way and you know, I, I feel like I could go on the show again and not have the risks of so many negative downsides, minus the fact I still could very well, you know, drown <laughs> or trip or embarrass myself due to like my physical complete lack of skill. <laughs> That's a, still a real thing. But um, but I wouldn't be worried about like getting fired or anything because I did it. So uh, so we'll see. I mean, the jury, the jury is still out. I make I may go back. Fingers but,
0: crossed. Uh, Fingers know. crossed. We'll As see. As I said, love to see you back. And um, you know, also like uh, love these you. old school seasons coming back, and also kind of uh, people that I mean, I was having this discussion actually when I interviewed um Candace not too long ago, and she was sort of mentioning about players I'd like to see back and. When people ask me that question, I do honestly think of sort of people from the earlier seasons that people might not think of, like yourself, Lindsay, uh, you know, as people from Australian Outback. You know, I'd love to see Mad Dog play again. I don't think she ever would, but um oh, yeah. <laughs> but like sort of these really, you know, obscure people that maybe people don't jump to straight away, if you know what I mean, because I think you're all good TV in your own right and would be great to see play for a second time.
1: Well, I mean, I think there's a huge, in terms of like, the people that get brought back, you you just have to look at the people to realize that a huge recency effect, right? So, like, people who have been on it more recently have a better chance of coming back than old-school people for a variety of reasons, right? Like, one is if you're cast as eye candy when you're 21 and now you're 35, you're not so much eye candy anymore, therefore, why are they going to bring you <laughs> back, right? So, um, So, anyways, I think for reasons like that, you don't see old-school players a lot of the time. Um, that said, I mean, do you not have to do a full blown, you know, throw us all on an island and make us compete for a million dollars for you to see what people are up to? I would totally, I don't have to be on it. I would totally watch, you know, a 300 person Survivor Where Are They Now, yes. two hour special where people talk about what the show, you know, how their lives changed as a result of the show or where they're at now or, you know, what their expectations were and how the expectations manifested. I, if they want to put me on it, great. If they don't want to put me on it, that's fine too. I would, as a fan, I would love to see that. I don't need to see people competing, you know, sweating it out for a million dollars. I just want to know what everybody's up to. Um uh, beyond what I see as you know, being their Facebook friend. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh that's what we like to do on this show a little bit too, I think, in sort of chatting to um you know, I mean our our goal, Kelly, is to chat to every single person in the history of the show. I mean, we're about two hundred and I got that
1: feeling yeah, two hundred and forty
0: six yeah. now, I think you are. So, um, you know, we're we're getting there and uh sort of a lot of these old school contestants that we've tracked down that haven't really done much media in, you know, a decade or so, it's it's really good to kind of hear what they're up to. So uh, and I know a lot of our listeners sort of appreciate uh, hearing as well. So I'd watch something like that you're mentioning as well. It'd be great to watch.
1: I know, seriously. Dear CBS, take a note. Yes. The two of us want to see it, so you should put it on exactly, television. Exactly,
0: exactly. Now, Kelly, I'm going to get to these questions. have got a lot in. I want to get through these as quickly as possible because I've also got our final five to ask you now our first one here this isn't a question this is just a comment roham hamidi says hey kelly this isn't a question but i wanted to say that you signed a chair that belonged to my community service coordinator in high school and whenever i went into her office i'd see your signature it was pretty cool always having a taste of survivor in my high school and you are awesome for giving us that (laughs)
1: That's amazing. Wait, where did this person go to high school? Uh, That's I don't what I want know. Now. They
0: haven't told me. So
1: um, um, but I tell him he should follow up with me on Twitter and tell me where he went to high school. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I want to
0: go sit in the chair. I mean,
1: that sounds really <laughs> fun and bizarre. Yes. I love that. That's uh, that's totally day making. Thank you for the
0: comment. Oh, that it. is fantastic, Raham. Thank you for that one. Now, I said a lot of questions here uh, about the whole All Star situation. Yes, with a lot of questions there. Uh, here we go. Philip Burke. Now, Philip uh, has asked me to get this question to you because he's a very big fan of yours, Kelly. He says, uh, w- I know. He tweeted
1: at me. And so, Philip Burke has my heart. Anyone who has ever said anything, it's nice about me on the internet or on Facebook or anywhere, for that matter. Um, I, they, they, I'm i eternally grateful. I can't tell you the joy it really does bring to this ancient, former survivor's life. It is excellent. And Philip Burke is is no exception. He's been very kind. So, uh, so yes. I'm glad his question gets top right
0: Well, you've already, um, part of his question was, can you get her to say my name? You've said it twice, so um, he's...
1: Philip he's... Burke! Philip Burke! Philip <laughs> Burke! Yeah, I keep going on there.
0: Uh, he says, what was your plan uh, and final two scenario if Lex had been voted out instead of you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think my ideal, like my best-case final two, my, I can tell you my best-case final three scenario would have been me, Kim, and Brandon... Sure. We. I mean, despite what you saw on television with Brandon voting me off and all that, trust me when I say the three of us got along like a house on fire. Like Brandon, you know, he when I lived alone in L.A., he lived with me for like a month, and Kim and I were roommates. We really all got along great. So I think it just would have been a blast, a blast for us to be in the final three. Plus, the upside of that for the strategy standpoint is um, I knew Brandon didn't have as many fans in among the uh, remaining players, so he probably would have been voted out or yeah it would have been me and Kim and then you know the dice the chips would have gone where they may mm. but uh that would have been fun that would have been at that time and uh I promised we uh to the extent possible, would have brought it in the personality department and <laughs> the, the days that will never be shown on Survivor when three of us made it to the final
0: three. <laughs> would have been fun. Thanks, Philip, for that question. Uh, Katie B- Thank you, Philip. <laughs> Katie Banks says, Kelly, sorry for jinxing you by picking you to win. Please forgive me. Is, is The Graduate still your favorite
1: movie? Um, Katie Banks, number one, I'm the one who's sorry for not winning. I hope you didn't have any money on it. <laughs> um, that I, I appreciate your faith in me and I, I can't apologize or not Is The Graduate still my favorite movie Um, The Graduate is a movie I like a lot (laughs) Though I do think it carries A certain amount of psychological baggage Given that I do regret what I said In parental council, (laughs) And also like the fact that I went with a movie quote Sounded nuts right So I think like as much as I still like the movie I'm into the cinematography the acting is good and all that You know, I do get a little bit of like even when I see the cover of the Graduate, I get a little bit of like a cringy (laughs) feeling on the inside. Even when I hear the song "Mrs. Robinson" like over the PA in a grocery store, I kind of am like, "Oh gosh, I hope nobody knows what I did." So. I guess by definition, it's probably no longer my favorite movie due to the associated baggage, but that's nothing to take away from the performance of, uh, of Justin Hoffman or I believe Ann Archer. They, they were quite excellent. I'm sorry for what I did to their film, much like I'm sorry for what I did to your setting uh, on
0: Survivor That was my bad. Well, I don't know if you've sort of been uh, watching the latest season, but in the latest episode of Kagayan, they uh, had a Mrs. Robinson reference, so uh, it's kind of it's it's come all this it's full circle still, you know, what, what? 25 seasons later. What?
1: And how on earth is that Like, well, does some old lady want to make out with a pretty, young guy? Pretty much, it
0: pretty does? much. There was an older lady who okay. was crushing on a younger guy, and she's like, oh, I don't want to be like Mrs. Robinson or something like that.
1: <laughs> I'll take it. Again, like you pointed out earlier in the conversation, I was really a game Exactly. Nerd, exactly. So, clearly, this is a recurrent theme that's just going to keep coming up. <laughs> um, that is. Too funny. I'm sure that my my silly quote played no role in the resurrection of that. But uh, but I'll take it. I'll take credit for it. It is not. Yes,
0: good. So you should. Uh, now, Will Hatch. Uh, a couple of things here. The first one. He says, "Can you talk shit about universally beloved Ethan Zon, please?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> no uh, Come on. The dude has battled cancer like twice. I would go straight to hell if I said anything <laughs> negative about him. Good point. Also he's just an all around nice guy, so no is the short answer. Um, you know, I mean but I mean if it gives you some I do like to like serve the audience, right? So if it gives you some measure of satisfaction, I did say like seven times during this podcast that he was really boring <laughs> during the day. Yes. And um that's you know but I mean in retrospect and he, and he's acknowledged it, it was part of a broader strategy. And it was a strategy that got him to win. So, I mean, I guess bully for him that he had a strategy that paid off where I didn't. Um, but unfortunately for me, this guy who it turns out does have a really cool, really fun personality was suppressing all that and forcing me to sit around and talk about, you know, nothing for hours on end on the Boron tribe when we could have been having a lot more fun. Mm. So, so there's your, uh, your semi, very veiled, <sighs> Shit talk, very couched shit-talking. Um, I will say that he was, he was boring in the game, but it's all the more unfortunate because he is an all-around awesome dude in real
0: life. Mm, there we go. There we go. Good one. And Will also says, and this is kind of on a point what I was mentioning before, do you feel you started the snarky young girl archetype on Survivor um, popularized later by Courtney Yates?
1: <laughs> first of all, I don't know who Courtney Yates is, so I'd like to say I popularized it. Second of all... um. What, what uh, China, China, 15,
0: girls? and also Heroes vs. Villains.
1: Oh, gosh, that's... No, I can't be bothered to go through the question. So, do I think I started as archetype of a smirky young girl? The short answer is no. I mean, I, I wouldn't be ashamed if, if people thought I did. I'd be fine with it. Um, that said, I, uh, I don't... I think that would be giving me a little bit... You know, much like you've been so good about the show, I think that would be giving me a little bit of credit where credit is not due. You know, I wasn't, in fact, actually that snarky. I hope this doesn't disappoint anyone, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm actually that snarky in real life, and I I don't think I was actually that snarky on the show. I will, and this is something I said to John Carroll on his show, too, but I think just, I was so, this is going to sound cheesy, but it's just true, I was so conscious of making my parents proud when I was on the show, and I was so nervous about saying things that will, like, embarrass them, or embarrass myself later in life when I wanted to get a job. Like, I was very aware millions of people were watching. And so I really the entire time was trying not to say anything nasty. Like, if, again, anything I said that was nasty, I thought I was saying it in kind of a funny way um, to try to tone it down. Um, and then, of course, so then here I am the entire time repressed, repressed. Like, if you think a nasty thought, don't say it, Repress, repressed, repress. And then, so the only time my snarkiness or nastiness would come out was when there were situational factors that really depleted me of my self-control resources, right? So when I'm exhausted or I'm particularly cranky or, like, I'm so frustrated by the situation I just can't take it anymore. And of those instances were times, like, much closer to when I was about to get voted out. Because when I was about to get voted out and I knew life had turned on me and I knew that there was no, you know, unringing that bell, I was... I did totally back into a corner and there was just nothing other than trying to flip-flop tribes, but that wasn't particularly satisfying either because it wasn't what I had initially wanted to do. You know, I really did feel kinda of stuck and depleted, and for that reason I just wasn't able to hold back that much anymore, and I would let loose comments that previously had been trying to suppress. So, um, so, anyways, I just think it's unfortunate that, like, the only time the viewers really got to see me have any sort of personality was when I was, like, pissed off or bitter or, you know, stressed out. Um, and for that reason, I guess, it paints a kind of snarky picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I any mean, You want to think if if you feel good thinking I'm snarky, feel free. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Like I said, though, I think uh, if you were to show up in my class expecting to see some, you know, snarky shenanigans, you would be sorely disappointed. (laughs) Like I actually think I, I mean, whether or not you guys think I'm funny at all, it's it's all in the eye of the beholder. I think I'm kind of funny. Um, I'm like a loud mouth. I try to entertain people. I don't know. I, I, I'm much more on the positive side than on the negative side of things. Um. (laughs) I appreciate Snark and other people. I'm a huge fan of the show RuPaul's Drag Race. Obsessed with that show. I love when they read each other for film. I love it. But I just, I can't, I appreciate it in others, but I'm not so good at it. So, long story short, we can give the title of the original Snarky Young Girl to this mysterious Courtney Mates. Um It probably does not even come close to belonging to Kelly Goldsmith. Um, Though if it makes you happy to think I'm Snarky, that's fine, but I, I don't think that's... I don't think I earned it. i
0: I think on camera, Courtney was a lot more snarkier. Um, and who knows? She could have been the one then that uh, took your spot in Heroes vs. Villains because you turned it down. So, who knows? So, oh, you're
1: welcome. Miss date is all I'm saying. Does she have a good bikini body? I hope she
0: Um, does. Let's just say she was quite thin.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's putting it nice. Like, Courtney's
0: lovely, but... Um... Oh,
1: my God, no! And she's adorable. This girl was a Stephen Fishburne's girlfriend, right? Yes, no. yes. They, yeah, so Stephen Fishburne is one of the ones I met here at Northwestern, and they were, I don't know if they're still together or married or hate each other, but um, they were together at the time. And he showed me her picture. Yeah, no, she's super skinny. I would love to be confused for Courtney Yates. Absolutely. Um, yeah, basically, she I just changed my name to Courtney Yates, and uh, she was my devil on that show.
0: Okay, there you go. Wow,
1: this girl is skinny, man. She, this is impressive stuff.
0: Yes, very much so. Uh, now, let's see here. Jason Rothwell. has Brandon given you that million dollars he owes you yet?
1: Oh, love you, Jason. <laughs> Um, the shortest answer is no. Brandon and I, like I said, were, we were really good friends. Um, certainly the first couple years following the show. And then we, you know, he moved and I moved. And we just generally lost touch. But it was not out of a lack of liking each other. He is a snarky, smarty parent. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he is super quick-witted. Um, and has a little bit of that, like, you know, wink in his eye. He's got a little bit of people in a, in a good way. In a fun way. Um, so does he give me $1 million? No. He even lived with me rent free for a month, so he owes me the million dollars plus like I don't know a grand in rent. Um and probably some for utility too. Like that bill is really adding up. I should Facebook yes. message him and let him know yes. that I'm waiting for it. Um no, the short answer is, is no. I uh not I think, I very little money from the show. If anyone wants to send me any, um I'm happy to uh I don't know tap hands yes. um, provide <laughs> witticisms to the extent possible. <laughs> tell so gossip. I know good gossip on the people that have been on the show,
0: but my gossip is super old. Oh, so it doesn't matter. That we're going <laughs> to get <laughs> you back on to tell <laughs> it. We <laughs> want to <laughs> hear it. Uh, thanks, Jason. Matt Matet says, Hi, Kelly. How? Uh, my question is, how terrible was it to have to drink a whole glass of cow's blood and then not win the challenge in the end?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to be dramatic about it and act like I was like so grossed out, but honestly, like, I was, the whole way I thought about it at the time was like, look, this is calories. You haven't eaten food in however many days. Just be glad you're getting more calories than the rest of the people. It didn't bother me at all. They could have made it so much worse, and it still wouldn't have bothered me. Like, there's moments when you're on the show where, as a huge fan, your fandom just keeps anything from being all of that negative, right? Like, I mean, I got to be the one who drinks the blood. Like, that's kind of awesome, yes. right? So the, the fact that i lost was only problematic because I thought I was going to get kicked off. And to be honest, I, I think I probably would have. That was the episode where Jesse got, got kicked off, I think. Um, I mean, basically, like what you didn't see on television is a lot of the reason why Diane was kicked off first and Jesse was kicked off second was basically because they asked to be kicked off. Like they were struggling physically and mentally. They were not enjoying themselves. And so it just made it really easy for the rest of us. Had those two not basically volunteered to leave, I, I mean, I would have been a really good candidate for expulsion because I was the one that blew the challenge. Mm. So that was the only thing that bled me out about it was I was like, oh gosh, now my head's on the chopping block. Great.
2: Mm. Um,
1: so yeah. But then, hey, I didn't get kicked off for that. You didn't. So. You didn't. I, made it see, I made it to episode eight. I can't complain. Exactly. I got no
0: complaints. Exactly. And as you said, it was calories, so it worked out. Uh, Shion and Shidia says, Are you aware... I've kind of told you about this throughout this interview, actually. Are you aware that you are rapidly popular amongst the internet survivor dwellers, and why do you think this is?
1: Um, number one, I think it is because they have excellent taste. <laughs> yes. Am I responding to everything with the list? Um, <laughs> I'm going to stop doing this. Um, okay. Well, first of all, obviously, I think it's because they have excellent taste. But no, seriously, I have no idea, but I'm grateful for it. I... I never, (laughs) I never experienced the sensation of feeling like, oh, I was so popular on that show, um, because when I was on it, right, I didn't win, and it wasn't like I walked off, I walked off the show and no one recognized me anymore, and so it's, yeah, I never really experienced the sensation of having a fan base. So anyone who even remotely liked me on the show, anyone who just watched the show, season three, even if you didn't like me, um, I'm a fan of yours. And I am, am grateful that you devoted whatever part of your brain you did to processing our season uh, and, and uh, my, my limited antics on it. So I'm glad, I don't know, I couldn't give any reason why I have a, a rabid fan base, but I want to high five all of them. Um, I do whatever I can to support them. I don't know. I, I teach marketing research. If you want to know how to design a survey, I'm happy to send you my slides. I don't have a lot of skills I bring to the table that probably become obvious through in this interview. But um but I mean I'd have I'd happily pay it back because 'cause I'm really really I, it sounds dorky, but like I am unspeakably grateful for anyone like I said, anyone who can watch our season and remembers it fondly, anyone who remembers who I am in any way. <laughs> preferably finally. Um, I really appreciate
0: it. I mean that that means a lot. Mm, well thank you for that for Sion. Sure. A couple more I'm gonna get to our final five. Uh Scotty to Naughty. That is the best name ever, Scotty. I hope that really is your real name. Uh she said you said that Frank should be on prescription drugs for his Uh-oh. antisocial behaviour. Do you have any other diagnoses for other survivor contestants, especially nowadays since the psych tests seem to be more of a formality?
1: Um, that is a hilarious question. I assume that she was gonna be like, You said Frank needed to be on prescription drugs. Who the hell do you think you are? Which would have been completely fair. Um, no, I i haven't the um this isn't a secret, but I feel bad saying it. I uh I haven't watched the show since I worked for them, which we did casting on I think season nine. What was season you nine? Know yeah, we did casting on Vanuatu and uh when you work in reality casting, at least when you worked in reality casting then, like the way you kept your job was the more people that the network ended up choosing for the show that you had recruited, like the more likely you were to keep your job in casting. Mm-hmm. And so on Vanuatu, five of the 16 people, or I, don't, I don't remember 16 or 18, but five of the people had been my contestants. And so I was like hugely proud of all of them and really excited about the season. And my favorite contestant of the contestants that I had screened or uh, picked quote unquote, was uh, the guy who got kicked off first, for Garrity. Yes. And he was a massive fan of the show and he was such a good interview and so dynamic and so charismatic, I thought he was going to win, right? And he got on the show and he got voted off first and I felt like such a jerk. Like, I really, I knew how excited he was to go and I just felt like I'd been complicit in kind of wrecking this guy's dream. I really felt shitty. Um... And after that, honestly, I couldn't watch the show anymore. And I don't—I mean, I've been watching every episode like obsessively for nine seasons. So I, you know, I still like the premise. I'm still super happy for everyone that's been on it. But I, I honestly can say I haven't seen an episode since since season nine. I watched it till the end of season nine just because I ended up—I had known all the people that went on it, so I wanted to see how it played out. But um, no, I, it was funny. It was much much harder for me to watch the people I cast on the show get kicked off than for me to actually be kicked off myself. Oh, I just nice. felt like this really. <laughs> It just felt really bad for them. Um, especially Brooke getting kicked off first yeah. when it was really his dream to go. Um, so, anyways, which, but, anyways, what was the question again? The short answer? <laughs> I can't tell you about Reconceived.
0: Uh, it, it was about basically giving, um, diagnoses of, uh, you know, the oh, contestants. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, but, so having worked in casting, I mean, I guess you do see a lot of the same type of person coming through, like, it's tough. It's a tough game because a lot of people who get, uh, I don't want to name names on this one because so I don't want to be impolite about people that I actually like, but, um, you know, I think maybe especially among the women, but definitely among the guys too, you get cast because you're outgoing and you're loud, especially the younger people. You don't have to, if you're younger if you're kind of hot and sexy, you don't have to be as much of a character on the show. And so a lot of the younger people get cast because they're hot and outgoing and opinionated and... They're self-confident, and they tell their interviewers, like, I'm going to be the one to get a million dollars. I'd do anything to succeed. But, I mean, we all know from our personal lives, a lot of the people who have the most bravado are really fragile on the inside. Mm -hmm. And really, like, they get hurt kind of easily. So I think that, that's not, like, a psychological problem. But I do think that's something that, when we watch the show, it's so easy to be critical of people. But... Just because someone's on there railing about how they think they're all bad, it doesn't mean they think that way. They're probably crying themselves to sleep, and they're non-existent, too, so I want to say, and then they get eaten up by bugs, you know? So I think that there's a lot more fragility among the contestants um, than they want to let on, and I don't think they necessarily need prescription drugs for that, but I think that, uh, you know, after the show, a lot of people could benefit from some hugs, you know? <laughs> and especially with the... Uh, with the Internet being what it is, I mean, I didn't have to deal with this, like, comment sections or, you know, blogs or Twitter or any of these open forums for people to anonymously crap all over you after you've been on the show. And so I think that if anyone listening is someone who en- enjoys the activity, uh, activity of actively crapping on people who are on the show because they seem like doofuses, you know... I don't know. I would say, give them the benefit of the doubt and think about it a little deeper and maybe understand that, you know, this is someone who could be, who you know, no one has the self-control to not read what other people write about them on the Internet. Um, so just know that they're probably going to read it and it's probably going to ruin their day and you know mm-hmm. maybe take the high road I don't know I feel like a nerd saying that just <laughs> no, I,
0: actually, I think we know exactly what you mean uh, I'm going to ask two more here before we get to our final five uh, so many good questions though, for people who don't get them answered I apologize this is kind of like an in-depth one in a way uh, Gabrielle Swenson uh, says although this actually might not be a good question to ask you because you don't watch it anymore I'll ask it anyway uh, in relation to your gendered stereotypes comment at the reunion show how do you feel about sexism in a modern day survivor which really might be hard to answer because you don't watch it anymore
1: <laughs> i don't i mean my best my best. i have no idea Here, whoever this person is kudos to you for watching the reunion show with with that much attention because i have no idea what comment you're referring to <laughs> um you know i will i got two i have two comments in response to this hopefully this will give your listener a satisfying answer one of the two pick or choose right if, if the answer you don't get anything out of it I apologize, but i'll do about that <laughs> So my first comment would be, um, I do think, and I had we went back to that, me and Kim and Alex went to that, um, and Jesse and Sean, some six, like a big bunch of us, went to that 10-year Survivor reunion thing mm-hmm. that they did at CBS Studios, so there's like hundreds of people that have been on the show, and as someone who hadn't seen it in a long time, I mean, I was really surprised by the way casting had changed, um, and I don't think, I mean, I still think there's a, you know, a deep, rich, interesting people that make it on the show. But I think, you know, it, it was a lot younger. I mean, it used to be that the, I'd have been the youngest person on the show and then I dropped the age to 18, which is a big difference, mm. you know, in terms of mature. I mean, you know, not to say I was mature at 21, by no means is that true. But an eighteen year old versus a twenty year old, then I mean, there's the difference of having gone to college for a lot of people, and there is a certain level of maturity that comes along with that. Like think about how immature we all were when we graduated high school, right? Like if you really want to be on television. <laughs> so I think dropping the age dropping the age makes a big difference in terms of these gender stereotypes. I mean, I think, you know, when you're eighteen you're really a girl, right? Um, in a lot of ways. And I mean for many of us, when you're twenty five you're still a girl, right? Like I don't know when growing up happens. But I think um, that was a difference I'd observed over the years was dropping of the age and just, think, I mean, like, I'm looking at, like, you said about Courtney Yates. I'm looking at the people, it's almost like one of those, like, an anime version of what I used to think about people from Survivor. Like, I just feel like the visuals on some of the contestants have gotten more extreme. Like, the skinny girls got skinnier, and the hot girls got hotter, like, mm-hmm. you know, the boss guys got buffer. And part of that is going to happen when you have a climate where there's now literally thousands of reality shows on every week, whereas previously, like, we were it, right? Yeah. So um, you can select for a lot more extremeness, and maybe people, um, as they grow up and they know they want to get a reality show, are catering themselves to be more extreme than they used to be, right? Like, what's his name? John Cochran, I also met him out here at Northwestern, and he's talking about how he's wearing his vest on the show and he's, like, consciously trying to portray this dork kind of character. Mm. Like, that's not something that existed in reality TV when it was just getting started. Like, there's the level of awareness I was talking about before where you're aware there's an audience and then there's a level of awareness where you're aware there's an audience and you're aware that you're portraying a character. And so you're packing the kind of clothes that this character would wear, like premeditated before the game begins. Like that just blows my mind. Um, that's just a lot of mental gymnastics before going on a reality <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. Um, and so I think, but I mean, this is all to say, I think you're seeing more extremity in terms of the contestants that you get, um, uh, because of this level of awareness on the part of the contestants, which in terms of gender stereotypes can manifest and, you know, sexy girls become sexier and, you know, damsel's of stress becoming more stressed Um, I will say it now. So, if any of you guys are ever interested in uh, academic research, because let's be honest, why wouldn't you be? Exactly. Doesn't it have fun? but exactly. so you love yes. reading yes. your professor's papers. <laughs> um, I do a lot of research um, here at Northwestern on how um, resource scarcity affects consumer decision making. So, how you know, knowing the world is running out of stuff affects our behavior in a consumption context. And I'm not the only one who does research in this area. There's a bunch of really great researchers at other schools that do it as well. And it's really interesting because there's massive gender differences in terms of how people respond to deprivation, right? So when women are, are presented with cues of deprivation, they will like for example, if you present a woman with cues about the recession, so you remind women that the world's running out of money, um, they wanna go buy lipstick and they wanna go buy, you know, pantyhose or whatever they do to be sexy. I don't know pantyhose gathered from outdated reference, but what you get the point, <laughs> yes, like high. And the idea being that when women are reminded that the world's running out of resources, they want to be sexy, because why do they want to be sexy? Because they need to get a man, because a man is going to help them survive, right? Mm. Whereas when men are reminded that the world is running out of resources, men are much more inclined to just hoard resources for themselves. So it's not like if the world's running out of resources, men want to go find women. Men want to get theirs, right? Whereas women want to get men, which is something... I mean, honestly, I will say it's something I observed being on the show. I didn't ever anticipate how different it would be to be a woman on the show versus a man. Because, you know, I was young and had this naive idealistic, like, I could do whatever I set my mind to. You know, I'm special. Like, wait. like you know, we're all raised to think that, and I believed it. But you can't, right? Like, I couldn't lug firewood. I couldn't lug... Ha- I mean, not strong, right? Like, and that limitation had never been relevant in my life before until I went on the show. And I very quickly realized my contribution to the tribe was negligible. Like, I really, you know... I like to say I'm a pleasant person, but if that's all you bring to the table on Survivor, that's not enough, right? Mm. So um, I think that that was the way I'd observe gender stereotypes really manifesting, is that I think women, I mean, I guess unless you're super strong, right? Women just fundamentally have to start out at a deficit, where because on the show Survivor, the fact that you're sexy, for the most part, isn't going to confer you a lot of social capital, right? There's really, if you're in a situation of deprivation, and as a woman, there's just fundamentally stuff you can't do without a man's help. And I feel gross even saying that because I believe women should be able to do everything. But this is not, a, I mean, this is a situation where strength matters, where height matters, where speed matters, and women almost always will come in behind men on those sorts of variables. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for anyone considering going on the show, it really is a survival game. And the skills that it takes to survive really do matter. And that's something I was completely naive about, but I think its it's worth considering. And I think it manifests in this very weird situation where women need men and women need to be liked by men and women need to be kept around by men and men don't need women so much. Yeah. And so it's probably doubly hard for women. On, I mean, women could be smarter, more strategic, whatever, but fundamentally at its core, in order to survive, I think women have a hard time. So I think uh, those ladies who are, you know, getting other applications for the show really should think about what they can do to uh, to bring stuff to the table in that context.
0: Mm. It's a very interesting topic and um, one that obviously, uh, you know, we can talk about for a bit. But, yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting sort of uh, what you're saying about casting now and seeing the type of people. I mean, you know, I've I've always kind of been a fan of like really mixing it up in the ages and having sort of a lot of older contestants and the younger contestants, whereas now on a season, you know, you might only have, say, a couple of people in their forties. It's very rare to have a person now in like their fifties or sixties even, whereas sort of back, right. back back sort of in the earlier days they really got sort of cast the net a little bit further. But again, big topic there. Thanks for that question. And just one quickly one. You mentioned Northwestern. Um now Eric Van Chiri says uh, a Northwestern student says, I would like to thank you for repping NU. And um, also s- and also says, uh, are you and Alexis Maxwell going to hang out soon? I'm not sure if you're aware. A current uh, contestant on the current season is a student at Northwestern University.
1: Yeah. Some, you're not the first person to tell me this. And it's really funny because I've had so many students literally show up at my door unannounced and be like, hey, my name is Josh. And I'm thinking about playing for Survivor. And I heard you on the show. And I picked your brain for two seconds. So it cracks me up, and none of them got on the show. <laughs> so I know some of them, you know, ended up getting through some rounds in casting, but no one made it on the show. So it cracks me up that the one who gets on the show, never bothered to come to my door. Thanks a lot, Alexis. You know, I could have been useful. <laughs> could have given you my big, you know, theoretical framework on gender and this manifestation and the conditions of resource scarcity, and no one can do without you. Um, but no, seriously, I don't know. Good for her uh, that she did it without me. And, um, yeah, I hope I hope when she gets back, you know, we'll get coffee or something. I, it, like, endlessly entertained me to hear... I'm trying to think of who, was, who came here. It was John Cochran and um, Stephen Fishbach and Mookie is the name. Yes. And uh, Jenny, Jenny Guzon Bay yes. and a bunch of other people. I forget. One girl was from Wisconsin who was a hairdresser. I don't know. Amy something, maybe? Amy
0: Cusack, um,
1: possibly? Not not Amy Cusack. Amy Cusack was one of my casting people. Uh, Very proud. Um. No, I forget her name, but she was from uh, Wisconsin. And she made it pretty far. She's on Stephen's season.
0: Okay. Um... Not she was like top three on Steven seasons. not think there was an Erin, maybe. Are you thinking Erin?
1: Yeah, Erin. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was here and like it I really find it totally interesting to hear what it's like to be on Survivor nowadays and then compare it in my head to what it was like fourteen years ago. Mm. So yes, hopefully this young wildcat will uh I don't know, call me or uh, <laughs> show up at my door or something. <laughs> Um, it'll be fun it'll be super fun
0: to hear what it was like mm, and we look forward to maybe seeing a photo then on Twitter and we can see that meeting yes it'd,
1: we'll tweet the hell out it'd of it it'll
0: be fun thank you to everyone who's sending questions apologies to all the ones we couldn't get to today seriously there were absolutely fantastic questions there and a lot sent in Uh Kelly we do wrap up every interview with a set of final questions now again base these off the first nine that you have seen because uh, obviously they're the ones that you have uh, got knowledge of so don't uh, these are just a bit of fun really for the fun interview question number one what are three things you learnt about Jeff Probst on Survivor?
1: Um, okay, well, I, three things, okay, good, I get to respond in a list, which is my very favorite thing. (laughs) So, one, Jeff Cross is very serious, um, relative to other people who worked on the show, and I think one thing that's really important for a guy whose job for the past, you know, 15 years has been to say really cheesy things, like the tribe has spoken (laughs) and, you know, all these things he repeatedly says. you have to be serious in order to sell that because after a while, it's like, oh, God. Is this guy really, does he really believes what he's selling? And I think his seriousness adds a lend of gravitas to the show, which is really good. Something I learned about Jeff Probst uh, when I worked in casting because he was one of the people you had to pitch your contestants to as they were going through the process. Jeff Probst is also really smart, really, 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 really smart, insightful guy, um, which is great. I mean, the show is really, really lucky to have him as a host, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I think, the show wouldn't be able to sustain itself with the kind of level of integrity that it has sustained for so long. And think about all the reality shows that started out seeming kind of, you know, highbrow, and now you'd be embarrassed to say you were on them. The show is maintained really high integrity, I think, in large part due to the fact that he is so serious and he is so smart. So number two, number one, he's serious. Number two, he's smart. I don't know. Number three, he has a hot body. Um, <laughs> but you've probably heard that one before. But not as much as that's, you would think. Real. We get we,
0: we get a lot of um, we get a lot of Jeff short. Jeff swears a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what else we know. <laughs> okay,
1: those people are haters. Okay, no, he's got a hot body. Also, I mean, I'm going to give you a four. I'm going to go top. Do four. it. So he dated, he dated Julie Berry, who was one of my casting people. And so I pitched him, Julie Berry, as a contestant. And I was like, no, she's super hot. And like, she's 21. And like I'm going to do this whole pitch of Julie Berry and how interesting she is. And he looks at me and goes, you are so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which, you know, of course I was. Because I, when you're pitching people, you're always full of shit to a certain extent. Um, but then they started dating, and I was like, "Ha ha,
0: folks, too bullshit now. You like her? There we go." <laughs> oh, that's good that we like to hear that. We actually recently spoke to uh, Mia from Vanuatu. I don't know if she was one of your casting choices or not. She
1: was not. She was my friend Carissa's casting oh, person. Okay. But she's very cute.
0: She um she admitted that uh, Julie told her that Jeff was good in bed. So um, look. Oh. We le- well,
1: I'm not surprised. Yeah. He's smart and he's in serious and has a good body.
0: That's some, like good input. Yeah, it's, we we learn things on this show. Uh, question number two, Kelly, out of the seasons that you have seen, what has been your favorite and least favorite season of Survivor?
1: Oh my gosh, if I could Google it, um, <laughs> uh, give me some
0: hints. I'll I mean, I'll be able to tell you.
1: I think the one that you know everyone maligned Africa is being boring, which you know, in certain for certain reasons, it's deserved. But. um I actually thought that the one that Shan, what was Shan on? Thailand. It was Thailand, was it? Yeah, it was
0: Thailand, yep. I
1: thought Thailand was a little bit dry, personally. I was not that into Thailand. Um, though those people that were on it are fun in real life, um, I, I was not that into that show. So there we go. Right. But anyway, it's a week. It's a week con. Mm. I like all of them. Mm. You
0: like all of them. I'm um, I'm tempted to say a quote that everybody hates me saying right now, Kelly. But I'm getting a lot of hate for me saying it all the time. Um, it was it was a quote that Rob Sestanin said on this show. He said, "Survivors like pizza, even when it's bad, it's good." But um you know, I'm going to say it. I said it anyway so people can get over it. Uh, question:
1: I think it's, I mean, personally, I don't know. I think it's kind of true, honestly. I think if you like, if you buy into the game as being a pretty interesting demonstration of human behavior, then that is good, right? Mm-hmm. It's still the same premise. It's still pretty neat to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Indeed. Uh, now, we already kind of talked about this earlier. Question number three, I mean, I know you're a married woman too, so this might be a little bit uh, more difficult to answer. I don't know. But in the history of Survivor, Kelly, who to you is the sexiest ever contestant?
1: Um, okay, this is not hard to answer, and again, will be answered in list form <laughs> for the sake of being thorough. So yes. um, I mean, so I mean, the Colby down thing, I would also like to back up. Like, I don't want to go down too much of a tangent, but um, when I was trying to get on a show, uh, which was in 2001, I went to Duke for undergrad, and I was, I was at undergraduate school when I was trying to get on the show, and Duke was in the Final Four basketball tournament, which here in the U.S. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And CBS was covering the Final Four basketball tournament, so there's all these CBS cameras on campus. And I'm simultaneously trying to get on Survivor, which is the number one show, <laughs> on CBS. And it was April 1st, which is Kobe Donaldson's birthday. It's pathetic that I still remember <laughs> this. But I found that out, and I was like, boom, okay, perfect. CBS cameras. I'm trying to get on a CBS show. I'm going to make a shirt. That says I love Colby and like run around campus <laughs> until someone puts me on CBS and it like ends up getting me on Survivor and I did that and it happened right I mean I didn't the fact that I got on Survivor had nothing to do with the fact that I got CBS to put me on the air in my I love Colby t-shirt during the March Madness <laughs> but nonetheless um, my love of Colby which predated the, uh, the 2003 Submarine's Chop House makeup session it ran deep so I think Colby's pretty hot um, I don't know what he looks like now. I, I, maybe I'll eat those words, but I, I think he's pretty attractive. Um, who else is really attractive is, I mean, Cyrus Gaither from my season, underappreciated. Mm-hmm. That guy is good looking. Mm-hmm. And that guy is also beefy, much beefier than, um, than Colby. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a good looking guy. Um, really, if any, females listen to the show and you want to see some eye candy I highly recommend like following him on Twitter or something <laughs> like he's really, really handsome um other people I think are hot I mean Brady Finta was one of my casting people mm-hmm. and Brady Finta really didn't come across on television the way he did in real life he um is I an mean, FBI agent like really sexy job like looks great with suit um I mean he he had a lot to work with. And then, of course, he shows up for filming, like, wearing this dorky hat that he never took off the whole time and just looks like a total <laughs> nerd. But, again, much like the Silas thing, trust me, in real life, Brady ended up with a looker and smart and had a cool job and, you know, had it done. And he was the whole package. Um, so who? I mean, but so many people are adorable. Like, so many people I'm friends with from the show, I think, are cutie pies. Like, my friend Kim's husband, Alex, who's on season six, mm-hmm. I think he's adorable um who else you know who else is cute um dave johnson mm-hmm. the guy who so, like we just like had some weird like later in life connection because he got his uh master's degree at mit and like his professor is someone i'm friends with Cal. it's really weird but um he's a cutie pie and also smart um who else you haven't mentioned, greg, know, yet. You haven't mentioned greg yet you haven't mentioned greg yet oh well i mean so okay greg is I thought not hot though like greg is not just 100 percent hot like, i found him i wanted to like be his girlfriend mm-hmm. But he's not, you I mean, he would have had brute, like, sexiness. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Cyrus Gaither, Colby Donaldson, when he was on the show, I don't know about now, Brittany Finta, um, any day of the week. Um, <laughs> and then, then cute could be, like, Alice Bell and that guy, Dave Johnson. And then Greg Bewitt would just be like, he's like boyfriend material, yep. right? So he's like, he's. He's nice and smart and not so bossy and intimidating. I could just go on for hours, yeah. like watching, just talking about him. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they're all they're all cute in their own way. I
0: hope your husband listens to this. I really do.
1: Uh. <laughs> there is, my husband has never seen me on Survivor. Oh, um, and he like has very little interest. <laughs> so he used to give me he used to give me shit and be like, you won't even show me the episode. And I was like, I don't remember saying I wouldn't show you the episode. So then one year for Valentine's Day or something, I bought him DVDs of Apparatus. <laughs> Never open them. And I'm like, okay, so it wasn't <laughs> that I wouldn't show you the episode is that you just don't care. Um, so, yeah, he, no, it's fine. It's for the best. I mean, having dated guys who, like, you know, looked at my luxury item and, like, would surprise me with it on a third date, trust <laughs> me, you'd rather date the one who doesn't carry Survivor. <laughs> oh,
0: uh, d- 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 can you refresh our memory what your uh, luxury item was, please?
1: Oh, yeah. It was a crochet, crochet hooks and yarn, not a sexy third date present, right? Right. Um, yeah, some people were creepy. Um yeah, the fact that my husband could could give a hoot about my reality TV experience in, in no way bums me out. My husband's <laughs> also super cute. He's cute, and he's smart. Um, I got lucky with that one. Mm. But I want to talk more about hot guys from the show. That's like one of my favorite topics. <laughs> i I can't think of more off the top of my head. Well, uh, you you are hot like are there any hot older dudes?
0: Um well some people think Tom Westman's pretty sexy. I don't know if you sort of know who he yeah, is. Yeah,
1: one of my one of my former students, um, who was probably my favorite former student, was this great gay guy, and he loved Tom Westman. And so, like, we reviewed lots of Tom Westman's photos together, and I see it. He's attractive for an older gentleman. Couple of our, our, a couple of our Ozlets
0: on the show, our helpers, absolutely uh, in love with Tom. So, um, a, few, a few people even think Lex is pretty sexy. I don't know if you see it.
1: <laughs> no, Lex is not my type, nor my Lex's type. Um, but, uh, you know, Lex is like a very charismatic face, which is a thing, which is a good thing. He's mm-hmm. um, just cute. Mm-hmm, yeah People would fall
0: under my bucket Yeah, yeah um, Well, you actually You love lists You love on our website We um. We do our Oscars every year Our award ceremony In the last two years We've got on there Top 25 sexiest male contestants So, um. So look, you know
1: I'm going to have to check it out gonna to... And I'm going to have to wage my own vote Well, you, um, you
0: will babe. Oh, Voting will I think open up Clearly,
1: so. clearly something This is something I take very seriously
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, voting, voting is due to be opened up In a couple of months For our 2014s version of it So, look, you know You'll be heavily involved in it, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, I'm
1: very excited, and my vote will not be adulterated by having, like, had to watch all of their seasons. <laughs> so it's going to be purely based on faith.
0: Faith alone. And also making out with them. Uh, question number...
1: Four. Hey, only one... Well, no, not More than one. Only one I say. Who else? Who else? Come on. I, 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 I thought I got to go on your special secrets episode for... for Cool ladies. Yes. Um, I got to say some
0: stuff. Right? I got to keep some angry. <laughs> you do. Uh, question.
1: Yes, you have to change the hideous twelve pictures of me on your website, or no one's ever going to believe I made out with anybody. <laughs> like and this is the worst picture I've ever seen of myself in my ent- and I'm like I I am you know I can take a bad picture. Don't get me wrong, but you really stripped
0: the bottom of the barrel. Of my like, this is some I, I do nonsense. that. I do that just deliberately to get you to uh, work up that act, the uh, reaction. Uh, question number four: Who to you is the greatest player never to have won?
1: Oh, Me, obviously. Yes. Clearly, it's me. Um, well, it depends on how you define great. Um, well, I'll give it to Burke Beardy, the guy that I cast on season nine that I thought was going to win it. There you go. Mm-hmm. He was excellent. He had a total biblical knowledge of all prior seasons, was super in shape, charismatic, fun, young. Good personality. Yeah. There you go. That, I, I'm going to go in with the dark horse and say, go Gary. That
0: works. That works. Uh, question number five, who is your least favorite winner?
1: Mm, oh my goodness. You know, I have to say, I, I'm sure if I like pulled up a list of the first, nine, I should have done this before we chatted, um, of the first nine episodes, I could have really had a snarky opinion about this. The ones that are coming to mind, like a lot of the people that I feared would win and be terrible winners didn't, that like, came in second. Like Tina Wesson, I, I mean, all right, I have a crush on Colby a little bit. So, Tina <laughs> Weston, I was really glad didn't win. I thought she would have been a terrible winner. Um, no, wait, she won. She did win. Sorry. I was about to uh, say, she won. Never mind. I take it back. Worst winner. I, I, it was so bad, I repressed it. It's so, that's how bad she was the winner. I, I don't. I mean, I've met her in real life. I don't think Tina Weston was like a terrible human being or anything. But um, I don't know. I just like I like the winners to bring a lot. In one way or another, and I didn't feel like she really brought a lot vis-a-vis Coley. Who brought so much with winning all the challenges? Or even Gary, right? Or even elizabeth they all brought their own stuff, but Tina wasn't very impressive to me. Um, Kim Johnson on my season, I was really worried she was going to win, um, which makes my pick-and-number strategy stupid, but, you know, hindsight's for 2020. Um, she would have been a really boring winner. Uh, who else? You know, I'm sure that there's lots of bullets that were dodged, mm. but, yeah. Um, Tina Watson, I guess, would be my least favorite winner. Colby completely should have taken that home. Come on well, now. Speaking,
0: that was Speaking obvious. of Mia before, Mia actually pretty much gave the same answer, saying that uh, she said Tina because she wanted Colby to win. So, look,
1: you know, there you there go. There you go.
0: I mean, yeah. There you go. The great minds think alike, maybe. Uh, final question for you today, Kelly Goldsmith, in the history of Survivor, who is the greatest ever contestant and why?
1: Wait, the obvious answer is, again, me. Of course. Sorry. You have so, to answer uh, yourself. <laughs> I have a lot more information about myself than other people having like lived in my own skin for 34 years, so I'm just gonna go with me. Um, greatest ever player and why? Well, you know, this is I really, if I'm being honest, can't say me because I really wasn't the greatest ever player, but I'm a cool person. I swear, I promise. Um, here's the left. Um, so I don't know. I'm smartish. Say yourself. Uh, I, I want default. you to. Yes. <laughs> yeah i mean i like i did pretty well for a girl with no physical abilities um i had the balls to go on the show even though i had never been camping before in my life <laughs> um yeah you know i uh i not stuck so there's that good uh, yes um I mean, greatest ever player, so many people are good in so many different ways. It'd be, it'd be impossible to pick just one. Mm. Uh, so if I had to pick just one, I'm going to go with me, because why the hell not? Exactly.
0: Well, you're always welcome to give a list if you really want to. I mean, I know you love them, so but we'll accept you. I do. You.
1: I do have good lists. But <laughs> we're just going to make the list short and go, uh, number one, Kelly Goldsmith, everyone else. A lot yes that. i agree
0: 100 percent, and i love it when people vote for themselves because i think you should and that's the way i run this show uh kelly it has been an absolute pleasure having this chat's been a lot of fun we learned a lot uh good luck with everything there at northwestern and uh look we're going to get you back on i think for this random secrets episode you john we're going to find someone else to dish the dirt and all things survivor and it's it's going to be a lot of fun when we get that happening
1: Um, that is, sounds amazing, slash terrifying, and I can't wait. And to anyone, seriously, any Kelly Goldberg fans in the world, please, like, follow my boring tweets on Twitter, or email me or something, um, and I can tell you how fabulous you think I think you are, because honestly, it makes my whole day. Uh, and thank you for this opportunity, this was really fun.
0: i told you a lot of fun that one was we definitely appreciated her time on the show and uh yeah great to chat with her as it is of course with anybody who have ever been on survivor over the years next week we'll have another one from survivor for you—a winner i'm going to tease it for you a winner's interview that we haven't played yet on our flashback friday segment so uh Keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, As you'll be keeping your eyes peeled for all our other Survivor coverage, Island of the Idols is happening. You know, you're loving that coverage. We appreciate your support that you're giving us with that one uh, as well. And uh, Australian Survivor as well, uh, very much close to the end with that. So uh, stay tuned with that one as well happening. So plenty of things coming your way on survivor related goodness and uh, lost third watch all that sort of stuff is happening as well as our movie recaps our terminator ones have started we're very close to our star wars ones so you know just so much stuff happening you'll love it you're excited you're pumped and uh, best way to get all that excitement into one spot is by liking us on facebook following us on twitter subscribing on all our relevant channels and you can always stay up to date with all of these ones wherever you may go and uh, of course the big ones during the week too i will just say uh, quick little tease there for our great third watch 20th anniversary episode which was a lot of fun doing even if you've never seen the show just listen to it because it was a lot of fun so yeah that's all i can say but uh thank you for tuning in to the oz network we appreciate the support and your time listening to the show we will be back next week for another flashback friday until then my name is been ben thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next time thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at the Oznetwork.net.